Hola, Jumbo Ecabo. Welcome to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This podcast was created to be what the next immigrant needs to thrive and what we need as an immigrant community. In this podcast, we talk about attaining financial independence, living full lives in the new countries we call home, and we'll do all that while talking about topics that pertain to the immigrant community all over the world. We'll do that with grace, with truth, with love, and yes, with great background music. So please, dance into every podcast episode with me. I'm Diola Teru, and I'm your host. Welcome. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. I'm Diola Teru, and this is episode 73. So, first of all, happy Black History Month. And um, this week, I'm talking about black tax. Yes. And if you've never heard about it, you know, hang with me. If you're familiar with it, well, come along for the ride. So black tax actually originated in South Africa. And it means it's the money that black or other people of color or professionals of color provide to their family every month outside of their own living expenses. And it's usually out of obligation. So, you know, do you or somebody, you know, send home money home every month, cover a bill for a family member, something of the sort? That is black tax. So it is caused by the continued economic imbalance that can be traced back to apartheid in South Africa and slavery. And so as people experience, you know, upward mobility and start to kind of find their way economically and, and build wealth or, you know, get better paying jobs, um, they often help out their relatives who are not yet in that same position. Often, the successful person is the first one in a maybe a, a poor family um, who graduates from, from college or attains a higher paying job. And so growing up, for me... Black tax was just life. My dad was the only one of his mother's five children that his father educated to get a high school education, a secondary school education. And so my grandfather was polygamous, and so he would educate one child from each woman to get a high school education. And my dad, by luck, um, was that one child in his family. But the thing is, my dad had an older sister, but she never even got a chance. Because why? Because she was a woman. And so my grandfather was not going to invest his high school education in a woman. Um, And so after high school, my dad was on his own and he had to find his way in the world um, to pay his way to get a higher education. And while he was doing that, he was helping his younger sister, right, to get an education Um, Because that way, at least two of them would have a chance at better opportunities versus just being him. So imagine you're by yourself, you only get a high school education, and then you're trying to get yourself through polytechnic and then working and then helping your younger sister to try to get into some teaching college, which is where my my aunt went. Uh, But it didn't end there. It did not end there, though. Um, Beyond that, for his siblings that never got a chance to be educated, my dad and his sister not only supported their siblings' families, they also helped their children get an education. 
and they were largely responsible for their mom and grand my grandmother's upkeep. So you see, the black tax was and is and continues to be real. And so I've had conversations with my dad and I've asked him if this was a burden or a blessing. And, and he said that it was both, right? A blessing to be able to support in this way, knowing that while his own path was not easy, he at least had an opportunity where some of his other siblings did not even have an opportunity. A burden because it was a lot of responsibility for someone to carry and it started before he landed on his own two feet. You know, like I said, he started supporting his sister while he was still getting an education. And yes, there have been instances where family members have reached a little bit in their, in their demands for, for support. But bringing black tax closer to home for us as immigrants, it is quite common for our families to have come together to ensure we achieve our goals of moving abroad or getting an education abroad. Or it may be that our parents left everything they knew in their home countries and moved here, whatever here is for you, to try to give us a better life and access to better opportunities than they had growing up or at home. And so when my sister and I were coming to the United States in, 20, in 2002, uh, not 2022, <laughs> who am I kidding? In 2002, I know that my parents took out loans for that first trip. And then I know that every semester, it was all hands up, on deck, all prayers up to try and gather money to pay tuition. That's money that they could have enjoyed. Yet they chose to put our education above so many other things that they could have done. And so I will always be grateful for that sacrifice. And so when does appreciation for the sacrifices turn into guilt and an inability to say no, even at our own expense as immigrants? And so when we talk about black tax, right, that term not only encompasses the financial transactions or responsibilities, but also the toll that it takes on on the well-off, in quotes, family member who may be unable to build wealth in the same way as their other peers who don't share the same financial obligation. As immigrants, well, many of us have family members or acquaintances that have these responsibilities. Many of us ourselves have these responsibilities. And of course, the degree to which these responsibilities lie on our shoulders vary from family to family and from person to person. And so, are all black families impacted by black tax? I mean, no, but generally, right? Families rooted in poorer areas or in regions of the country or the world that were impacted by segregation and slavery and colonization may encounter more instances of black tax. Also, immigrant families like mine and yours likely from Africa, the Caribbean, and actually other areas as well. I know people from Europe that may also have family obligations. Um, it is common for us, um, you know, Africans, Caribbeans, you know, even you know, um, African-Americans, Caribbean-Americans, Black British, right? Um, many of us commonly grapple with the guilt and obligations around our perceived wealth being abroad um, and our obligation um, to support family. But here's the thing. Many do not talk about it. Many of your immigrant friends or fellow immigrants may not talk about it, one, out of fear of bringing shame to family, 
right? Because of how we were raised to keep family matters private and to support family and protect family at all costs. When sometimes the family themselves are not really, you know, the healthiest, you know, place to be. But I think another reason that we might be quiet about the responsibility or obligations of black tax is also that we don't want judgment or we don't want to be misunderstood or we don't want pity. But yet this is our reality. Oh, it may be that, you know, we don't want to talk about money in general. So this is just right on brand with that narrative that people don't like to talk about money because it is a taboo for one reason or the other. The other reason is that we might know that others that do not have an appreciation for our background, our culture, um, may judge and misunderstand us where all we want is understanding that, yes, you know, I may start out with my start class. We may all start out making $50,000 salary, but maybe 10 to 15% of my salary is not going to debt pay off. And so I can't start paying my debt, up, my debt off so aggressively. Or I can't start investing so aggressively because, you know, I'm paying my family's rent back home or I'm paying my family's cell phone bill if my family is here or I'm contributing towards a sibling's tuition or maybe I'm paying for my uncle's neighbor's granddaughter's school desk because sometimes that happens too. Now, I think because black tax is such a secret, right? I was looking to try and see if there are numbers around how much people pay out of their earnings to support family members And there are no numbers on the percentages of our incomes that we spend on supporting our family and communities. That goes to show how much this is not talked about, this is not tracked. And so the next question is, well, well, I think the answer to the question is kind of obvious, but let's talk about it anyway. And so how does this impact us? How does black tax impact us? From a financial standpoint, of course, building wealth takes longer. Right. When you have to start sending money home the minute you get a job while you're still in school, um, then the impact is that it takes you longer to build wealth. And sometimes we even get bogged down in debt over family obligations. I know that when I was in school, I had a I had a roommate that while she was still trying to pay her tuition, was still responsible to send her family rent in Kenya. And that was I, I, I mean, I was still trying to work, apply for scholarship to pay my own tuition. I could not imagine at the age of 19 to be responsible for sending rent home. And so the impact is that it takes us longer to build wealth compared to our peers that may not have such obligations. And beyond that, you know, culturally, it does not appear to me that generally white America carries the same burden of responsibilities that immigrants or black or brown people do when it comes to supporting family. And that's a period. You know, I think the biggest challenge that we've all faced, the biggest challenge of all that we face as immigrants and people of color when it comes to black tax and family obligations, the biggest challenge is saying no, right? Many of us are simply unable to say no. And sometimes it might be as a result of our own pride or ego, trying to prove a point to God knows who, um, or it is back to that guilt or that sense of obligation or responsibility that might make it challenging for us in deciding whether to help family out, even if we don't have it to give, even when we don't have it to give. And I think that we need to free ourselves for that 
extreme sense of guilt, extreme sense of burden that we put on our shoulders. And so actually this episode was inspired by somebody that sent me in a DM saying, you know, can you talk about black tax and, you know, how much people send to their families? I want to know how much people are sending um, just so I can kind of gauge and all of that. And and I don't know how much people send to their families. And I did not ask people how much they give because I don't think that matters because my finances and yours are different. Your family situation and mine are different. My family may be understanding or not understanding at all. And yours might be. And so it might be different. So I think comparing what I send to family to what you send, I think that's kind of missing the point. And that's getting into more of a comparison thing than more a helpful conversation. However, from the conversations that I did have around this, I think that it's important that we establish guidelines on how to think about putting up boundaries while still supporting family. And I think the best time to put up this kind of your own framework is before a request ever comes. Like say, this is how I'm going to operate. This is where I start. This is where I stop. So one thing to think about is, you know, separate needs from ones because there are family members that will decide that they want to buy a car and that you need to support them with that. Is that a need or is that a want? Right. So understand if you're going to be primarily able to support when it comes to needs, necessities versus nice to haves. And then you need to communicate that you will be focusing solely on needs. Okay, if you if family needs support for rent or housing and, you know, somebody also wants to buy a new outfit or contribute money to a party, you can say, well, sorry, I'm going to be I can only focus on needs at this point. The second boundary or a guardrail or framework to put in place is communicating the level of advance notice that you need. Otherwise, some people, many family members will make their lack of planning your emergency and that puts on a burden. If you allow for it, puts on a burden that's not yours to carry. So, for example, a family help member needs help with, you know, their child's tuition or something of the sort. You know, they know tuition, they know the cycle of tuition, but they come to you two weeks before it's due. They're hitting up your phone, hitting up your WhatsApp, all of that. I think that you need to say, sorry, but I cannot do it now. Next time, you know, if you, you know the cycle of when tuition is due, If you reach out to me in advance, maybe I can plan for it. But this last minute, I don't have it to give you at the last minute. Another thing to put in mind is, you know, there are instances where responsibilities are shared amongst family members, among siblings, among grandchildren, whatever the case is, right? If responsibility is shared, it is very important and it will save you a lot of time and heartache and and potential conflict, right? If you have open and honest conversations so that, you know, if one family member is coming to make requests, they don't come to me and ask for A and go to B and ask for C and then try to get so much from all of us separately. And so, for example, whatever my siblings and I are doing, we talk about it. So if my parents are making a request, other family members are making requests, whoever receives the request shares the request with the rest of the group and we collectively decide on what we can do. That doesn't mean that everybody contributes at the same time, but it means that we go back with one voice so that nobody can come and ask me for one thing and ask my sister for another thing. We put it all on the table and determine what we can do together. And I think those things, one, will save 
will save you from people that are maybe potentially trying to just, you know, get everything from everyone. But also, I think the open and honest conversation with your peer group or whoever you're sharing your responsibility with, I think that also helps lessen the burden. And when you collectively say no, it kind of feels better when you have the backing of a group of people to say, you know what, we can't do this this time. Another, the last thing I'll say is just on an annual basis or so, decide what you can do annually and stick to it. And then put aside money every month towards that. And that's what I do. You know, of course, if there are true emergencies that come up, I will consider for that. But aside from that, you know, I I decide on the amount at the beginning of the year and I put money aside every month towards that so that when the time comes, I have the money because I am also prepared for it. But I will say this, that I didn't start out, you know, sending money to family every month. When I started out and I was trying to pay off my debt and all of that, I only supported when it was when it came to emergencies, but my family was also very understanding, right? As I tried to pay off debt and all that stuff, I supported for emergencies, but otherwise there was no ask because I was trying to get on my feet. Um, so yes, communicate, 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 communicate before the ask comes, communicate how you operate so that people know how to then deal with you. Now, if you say no, your first no will be received with some shock and maybe with some pushback or some, you know, um, people might get dramatic about it um, because people are used to you saying yes. But if people now know, um, if people know how to do anything, it is to adjust and adapt. And so after that first no, they'll be fine. Everybody will adapt and we will move forward. But I think as a community, We need to get into the habit of putting our own oxygen mask first, our own life first on first. Now, because this happens, and I think we should talk about it too. So what happens when the receiving family members are entitled or inconsiderate of your situation? Well, this happens more often than not. And sometimes people assume that money grows on trees because you're in London or America or in in Amsterdam, or people assume that life is just so much better for us abroad. Um, So what's another $50 to you? And while I understand that certain circumstances in our home countries make things very, very difficult for our family members, um, nobody should tell us that $50 is nothing to you because they don't know our reality. Or sometimes it can also be the guilt thing, like, oh, I carried you in my belly for nine months um, and I want this car and I don't understand why you can't contribute to the cost right now or take a loan to cover it. And it might sound crazy, but worse things have happened. I legit know people that have been asked to take loans um, by people that don't know what it takes to pay off a loan, right? At least abroad. And I've been asked to take out a mortgage in the past, as I've shared previously on the podcast. So these stories are not wild. They do happen. Uh, Just to say, it wasn't my parents or my siblings that asked me to take out a mortgage. But anyway, somebody did. Um, Because when you allow people, they will take a whole, if you give them a, a yard, they will take a mile and more. When this happens, say no with all the love in the world. But please say no, because what you allow will continue. Now, I think it's also important to always remember that your money is your own to do with as you see fit. You do not technically owe it to anyone, despite of what's passed down to us culturally. 
And I know someone is listening and shaking their head and saying, ah, that's not how things are done. I hear you. But would you rather build up resentment against your family and friends from years of saying yes at your own peril? I don't think that's the right answer either. And so if you choose to say no, you don't even have to tell your family member that you can't afford it, even if that's the case. No is a complete sentence. Because I think sometimes when we say no and then we're trying to start to explain, you know, things, one, some people may never understand. And by kind of over explaining yourself, you're adding unnecessary stress to the relationship in a way because your would-be borrower is then being invited into your finances and they might then feel that they can question purchases that you make. Like, oh, they can send their child to a private school, but they couldn't send me my child's school fees when I hit them up at the last minute, right? Your finances are not others' business and so don't invite them to it um, if they are not people that are kind of um, um, that close to you, right? And I, I don't, I think most people don't deserve an invitation to our finances. All right. So then what if you've been the family baller and now you're the one that's looking to change your spending habits, right? Because sometimes if we've always been the one that's always pulled out the card, always paid the bill, always footed the family dinners, always done all these things, um, family members may want you to continue doing the things that you've always done for them. Um, and if you're trying to save for retirement and all of those things, or your financial circumstances have changed, but you're still expected to keep, you know, paying at the former levels. Well, I think it can get sticky, especially if you feel like you need to continue to pay for extravagant things. And, um, because that's how you've always shown love to your family. And I think in this case, I think it's important for you to stop and think about, why this is the only way you feel you're able to show love for your family. Can you show love to your family in other ways, right? Or if your financial situation has changed and maybe you're feeling embarrassed at the circumstances and so the pressure, you know, from family, you know, may be difficult for you to ignore, but also the pressure might be pressure on yourself because your situation has changed. So I think it's it's, it's fair to pause and, and understand where the pressure is coming from. Is it internal? Is it external? Because I will say that, yes, you know, family members can try to pressure you and, and that's not okay. It is never okay. You are still the one in the driver's seat. You have the power to yield or not yield to the pressure. Their pressure is meaningless if you don't allow it to bother you. And so, of course, you know, it's easier said than done. But like I said, think about why the pressure is getting you to spend money that you don't have. Like why that's the only way you feel like you can show love. Like, is it that you love being the lord and master or like the baller auntie, the baller uncle, the baller daughter or sibling? Um, And I think it's important to pinpoint the source of that emotion and deal with that feeling, because once you do you'll be less susceptible to to any pressure that you might be feeling. And now one last point, right? Um, For those family members that may always be expecting the well-off, in quote, family member to bear the brunt of responsibilities, right? So there are always those people in the family 
that will always wait for somebody else to, 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 to pay the bill, that will always wait for somebody else to, you know, support in the case of emergency, because for some reason you are never able to do something. I will tell you this, that it gets exhausting. And yes, resentment can build here. And while the, you know, well-off quote-unquote family member may be able to chip in more, but they also may not. Like I know people that legit go into debt to meet family obligations, right? And so let's stop making assumptions about other people's finances. The same way you don't want people to put their nose in your finances, don't assume that because they're a doctor, they're a lawyer, they're a high-flying consultant, that they can afford to bear the brunt of the family's um, um, needs, right? You truly don't know what others have going on. And even if they do, it does get exhausting to be the only source all the time of that feels like you're like the family um, bank. And so instead of waiting for the quote unquote, well-off uncle, sibling, family or friend um, who may or may not be going into debt or may or may not just be tired of being the family bank, decide on what you can do and please share the load. And so I feel like I've said a lot about black tax because clearly I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, And going back to the dilemma, is black tax a burden or a blessing? In my opinion, I think that it can be both. I think that with the gaps in black wealth, it will take time, decades, before collectively we have access to and can accumulate wealth that will eliminate black tax. But if you're listening to the podcast, then I think that we are on our way. So there is hope. Um, My goal is that we are the generation that lifts the burden and doesn't add to it. Um, And before I go, you know, two things. One, I'm going to be taking a break for the rest of the month of of February because life is life and, and, you know, work is busy and I just have other stuff going on that I need to put down this ball for a few weeks and deal with some other glass balls that I can't allow to drop and things that I just need to deal with. And I will be back first week in March, God willing. I just wanted to let you know that. Um, But last but not least, happy Black History Month again, my people. Um, Here's to more Black wealth. Here's to better boundaries. Here's to lifting as we climb, because I do believe in us lifting our families out of poverty Um, But also here's to putting on our oxygen masks and life vests first. Have a great week. Take care. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. Before you go, I'd like you to know that there will always be room for you at this table. And as I wrap this up, I'd like to ask for your help with a few things to help support and amplify the message of the podcast. First, please subscribe Click the subscribe button and that way you're notified of new episodes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please write and review the podcast. That way you're signaling to Apple that the content here is, you know what, popping and you amplify our message to other potential listeners. And last but not least, please follow us at Instagram at The Rich Immigrant. And as we go out into the world, I hope that you're encouraged to show up and live fully in whatever country you've chosen to call home. Ciao, bye, odavo. See you next time.